Either side of Niagara Falls, welcome to Dad Joke Loading, the podcast about two new dads surviving fatherhood, one week and one dad joke at a time. He's Christian, I'm Chris, and we've got some new hot topics to bang on about this week. But first, I'd like to thank, as always, a few uh, very important people who allow this show to be made. Producer Ryan, thank you for everything that you do. Long-suffering producer Ryan. Michael Spicer from Michael Spicer Music for all of the little stings and that great intro music that you hear there. Um, All uh, from Michael Spicer. Of course, our uh, beautiful wives and our wonderful daughters who uh, allow us to do this. Because as Christian always says, who are we kidding? They allow us to do this. And of course, the vet cartoonist Vishal Murthy for the awesome illustrations that he's provided to us. So Christian, how, uh, how was your week this week, my friend? What'd you get up to? Uh, I'm not going to lie to you, Chris. Uh, I kind of had a, a bit of a boring week. I feel like uh, I know we always say on this podcast, we're going to talk as little COVID as possible. But as as it happens with little to do, sometimes little is done. Um, and so uh, today or this week, I should say, uh, today as well, uh, you know, got into a little bit of the yard work, you know, raking the leaves, you know, summer weather's getting nicer. Um, mm, can't can't hide under that, that snow anymore, although I'm sure we're, we're due for a snowstorm anytime now because <laughs> I did rake the leaves. Um, but uh, I was actually talking with a friend of mine and uh, actually an expecting father uh, in his own right, his first. Um, and we were talking about the dad thing where you stand and admire your lawn with your hands on your hips, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. and you just sit there and with that nod of approval that you're just like, mm hmm. Yep. Looking green, yeah. looking greener each day. Um, so got into a little bit of that this week. Um, but uh, otherwise, yeah, pretty, uh, pretty boring and uneventful, I guess, in a positive way. Uh, otherwise. So, uh, yeah, really no complaints here. What about you, my friend? Oh, amen to that on spring and summer. I am so excited. You're absolutely right. This is uh, this is how weather around the Great Lakes teases you and then takes it away. You know, it says, oh, it's summertime. Get used to it. Trust me. Take out the pool. It's the weather version of the uh, little, you know, donut on the string at the fair. You know, it it looks so delicious there in front of you, but it's just impossible to attain. It should be so easy for me to throw this ring over the milk bottles, right? Clearly. But they fool us every time. I spent so much money on tickets on those. (laughs) But I've had a pretty good week. Uh, the grass is green enough. Speaking of which, Christian, and uh, I've been uh, doing my lawn, but perhaps most importantly, MLS season is here. Mm, North American soccer speaking season. Speaking of the green pitch. Yeah, MLS season. Uh, North American soccer officially kicked off this week uh, with Toronto FC taking on their fierce rival in the 401 Derby from CF Montreal. They have a new name this year, Club de Foot. Montreal replacing Montreal Impact but all of course that I can think about is the Clubfoot Montreal team alas uh Clubfoot Montreal won 4 to 2 over TFC so sadly not a great start for the Reds but maybe we'll get into that in a little bit um otherwise uh, not too much been driving around with the windows down naturally because it's spring kind of feeling like summertime a little bit and I've that all natural into... AC mm. <laughs> yeah that's right I've gotten into uh, a new genre of music that I think you might appreciate it's a little hard for me to say out loud but I think if anybody will uh, will appreciate it's it, it's you it's uh, 50s pop music Ooh. Um, yeah I know and I don't really know how it all started but like Please Mr. Postman by the Marvelettes, The Coasters, um, you know, uh, Ray Charles, obviously, um, Perry Como, Frankie Valli, Dean Martin, I mean, uh, Sam Cooke. There's just so many good options. Uh, Frankie Lyman, and it, I've really You're speaking been speaking my into language, it. my friend. <laughs> I mean, I feel like there, were, there was just something added to the music back then in the use of piano and brass routinely in the band. It just Well, that's when bands were bands. That's right. That's right. I totally agree. I mean, as a piano player yourself, what, uh, what do you think about that? Why do you think piano has kind of died out of music? What, uh, what's it going to take for it to be brought back into a regular four piece band again? Uh, probably an actual appreciation for actual music. Um, Mm. I realize that I sound like the, uh, you know, get off my lawn, maybe of music, uh, you know, music aficionados, but, uh, but what a beautiful green lawn it is, but you know what? Hands on the hips, admiring (laughs) it while it's here before the snowstorm comes. Um, but 
yeah, I think just the natural, I mean, as things evolve, of course, with technology and everything, it's, you know, frankly, easier with, you know, to produce electronically produced music, which people mm -hmm. seem to enjoy. And so some things get lost in the shuffle, it seems so, yeah. um, which is very sad to me um, because I will always have a piano in my home. I will always make sure my kids play the piano um, and, and everything. But no, I do definitely appreciate uh, uh, a good tinkle on the old ivories for sure. <laughs> my daughter has one of those like five note Fisher Price kind of pianos. You know? Absolutely. And I'm killing it on that, Christian. I got to tell you. I mean, man, oh man, Twinkle Twinkle Little Stars got nothing on me. Now, do you have the one where it's um, there, there's like the different levels? Yes. So there's one where she yes. just like like they press they roll on top of one thing and then the whole song plays. Yep. You know, or yep. something like that, and you're like, that's level one. You're just like, yep. yep, that's that's where I'm at right now. Like, absolutely. To your point about modern music and uh, and producers, you know, yeah, I'm I'm I can play this song so well. Yeah, I mean, just just yourself with all those instruments. Oh oh yeah, I just I just hit the space bar here and it goes. <laughs> anyway we'll uh we'll shout out kids in our on our lawn in, in another episode <laughs> yeah absolutely like a, i'm thinking like a live feed you know um just like us on our lawns here but uh, no speaking of uh of produced um of produced genres or, or produced arts uh chris uh quick question for you uh what do you call a conversation between mickey mouse and Minnie mouse <laughs> hmm it's a good question actually Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse. Is that like Disney? I don't know, Christian. What do you call a conversation between Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse? Animated. <laughs> but speaking one. of things that are, you know, potentially uh, overproduced or, or um, you know, in, in that kind of realm, I want to dive into our first topic of today's podcast, uh, which reminded is going to be photos of our kids. And okay. I'm going to okay. come at this from a couple of different um, areas of interest. Um, but before I do, um, Chris, I'm curious. Do you recall as a child there being lots of photos of you <laughs> in your house? Hmm. It's a good question. I mean, I don't like I recall. I recall almost nothing in that sense from my childhood. Like I, I almost don't recall photos at all. I recall a little bit the idea of like putting film in a camera, you know, uh, when I was younger. Um, and so for our listeners having... real quickly, cameras used to actually have physical film <laughs> that you put in and then you had to develop them afterwards. So you didn't get to just swipe and delete. You actually had to go develop them find out if they were good or not and then adjust. Yeah. So just a roll for of a film quick trip about, down memory lane. A roll of film had about 36 photos. And I remember, of course, one of the big things being you would almost never take multiple shots. Maybe you would take two photos of one thing just to make sure you got it, but you would never take 10 photos to make sure that like you just get it absolutely perfectly, you know? Um, but I don't really remember the photos themselves. So of course what I, my Best way of answering that question is to know how many photos there are of me now in the photo albums. And I can't say that there's really that much, certainly not the same as as what we have now. I mean, there were photos of events like birthday parties and Christmases and things like that, uh, but not quite so much just day to day life. And then I'll kind of just tack on to that, which I'm assuming the answer will be pretty similar. But then so then you also then do not recall being photographed as a child like that's not something that you really remember vividly really. or specifically no there's there's a series of photos from when i'm a newborn at a professional photo studio um like just three or four photos of, of me as a baby um but i don't i mean obviously i don't remember that at all and no i don't really remember throughout my childhood being photographed all too much except on vacation then then it was kind of no holds barred on the cameras but certainly not around the house the reason I ask is because um, we were uh, I was actually having a conversation with another friend and we were talking about the idea of, uh, you know, are we photographing our kids too much these days? Um, and obviously with the the iPhone, you know, or the Android or the I mean, even the digital camera, really, I'm sure a lot of that has become 
a lot easier because again, we don't have to go develop the film to make sure that the picture actually, uh, you know, turned out, we can literally just take 20 and pick the best one and, uh, delete the rest or not. Um, and it kind of got us down a little bit of a rabbit hole, which was interesting. And then it got me, um, just kind of looking up general, uh, kind of questions on the, uh, on the topic. And I, I will admit, I am not, uh, I'm certainly not an expert in any of this by any means. Um, so these are just kind of thoughts out loud as, as most of this podcast is just kind of general queries and quandaries. Um, but there were some, uh, I, I got into a couple of, uh, New York times articles, uh, by a particular child psychologist, and they were talking about the potential, um, ill effects of photographing our children too much. And hmm. then do they rely on or become not addicted to, but they become so used to being photographed and having to be on film. Does that have any ramifications down the road? Kind of like the screen time, uh, you right. know, theory. Does right. that have any type of, uh, you know, specific um, negative effects by any means? And it kind of got me thinking about that. And so uh, because I will admit my wife and I um, take a lot of photos of our daughter um, and uh, we, we are obviously very biased. We think she is the most adorable thing on the planet, much like I'm sure Chris, you obviously, uh, and rightfully so believe the same thing about, uh, about your daughter. Um, and there's also that kind of, especially for a first child, there's that newborn or first parent. Oh, I have to capture every moment, you know, kind of mentality. So, um, I, I guess Chris, just right off the bat here, then do you, and I guess your wife, um, do you find yourselves or do you notice yourselves taking lots of pictures of your daughter? Um, you know, again, obviously in, you're in the very early stages, so there's not as much say movement, you know, or, or, you know, those types of things, but do you find yourself taking lots of pictures of her and sometimes catching yourself being like, this is a lot. Hmm. That's a really good question. So <clears throat> I guess the, the first part I'd answer is you probably know this about me. And I think, you know, some of the listeners who, know me, who are listening to this, know that I'm uh, unfortunately a little bit of a hermit sometimes when it comes to technology and my phone and things like that um, and social media. And so I haven't I haven't been much of a photo uh, taker, I would say. Um, my, my wife does take a lot of photos, and I do take some photos of my daughter in our house. And I would say that my mindset behind it kind of flip-flops um, on, on two sides. You know, definitely there are times when she's getting photographed and having lots of photos taken of her that I think, is it healthy for our daughter to grow up in a world where she's seeing photos of herself all the time and always kind of having everything come down to visually how you look in a moment, how you look in a photo, um, you know, and I think is this like, is it good for us to put these on social media, even if we don't put them on social media? Um, are we taking too many photos? But then the other half of me thinks, if, if I never got to look at these photos for the next 20 years and just every single photo I took, um, you know, on my phone just immediately went into, into the cloud and I saw it 20 years later, um, I think that I would be glad that I took all these photos. Um, and I think that, you know, I, I <clears throat> lost someone in my family somewhat recently and we didn't have any photos of him while I was growing up. And, um, you know, you notice that and you notice in hindsight that you don't have anything. And when I look at photos of myself from my childhood, I sometimes wish there were more of them, you know. And so I think that it's sort of of two minds in the here and now. It bothers me that there's so many photos. It bothers me. I mean, social media bothers me a lot. Um, as you know, um, I'm not I'm not big into taking all these photos. So, you know, sometimes my initial reaction is to not like it. But then when I think about the long term future of it and I think about having those photos 20 years from now, um, I think that I'll be glad that I did. At least that's my mentality behind it right now. That's actually a really, really, really well put answer and, and a really good point that you make, because I am very much the same in that I want to have, I don't want to miss anything of my daughter's life. And I don't, so I am constantly, and I think my wife is the same, you know, they tell you, of course, you know, like, oh, you know, it goes by so fast, you know, make sure you, uh, you know, savor every moment. Um, and so I kind of come at it from a little bit of a different perspective. Although, I mean, maybe you do the same. 
that I, I am more of the self. If I find myself taking photos or if my wife is taking a lot of photos, my initial kind of thought, and I, again, I am here guilty as charged as anybody else. So I'm not sitting in any ivory tower or anything like that. But my thought is, are we spending too much time taking photos and not just being present in the moment? And so while there are certain things that are very funny and then you're like, oh, we got to get that on camera um, for sure. You know, kind of the whole uh, egg on your face. You know, we got to make sure we capture this moment kind of scenario. But then I also wonder, you know, are we focusing too much on the obtaining information standpoint of it as opposed to the benefit of being present with our kids. But then mm. I flip over and I think the exact same thing, which you just did, which was I would kill myself if I did not have, that was a, a bit of an exaggeration. I apologize. That was poorly stated. I would, uh, <laughs> I would be upset with myself if I, if I didn't have those in the future, you're right. Um, mm. But then I also think, you know, uh, you know, 500 photos is probably enough we don't need 2000 you know yeah. so that i think i feel like there's a balance um there, there's got to be there. a balance you know i think about <clears throat> i'm sure we were we've all been there you know with our dads on vacation where you know they've got you know when we were kids and they've got the camera out and they're getting 900 photos of one thing you know and you think are you being present in the moment but you would never want to come back from your vacation and have no photos and so of course there is a balance between what's too much and what's not enough i think the point that you raise about being present in the moment is really important and i think if you ever feel through the camera lens, like you're missing the thing that's happening. You know, I'm sure, I'm sure we've all been, you know, to a concert where you're filming part of it or, you know, something like that. And you get home at the end of the day and you think, man, I, I wish I had kind of actually watched that part a little bit more. You know, like I wish I had been there watching rather than capturing it on my camera. I feel like I'm most sure concerts we... now are just a bunch of people with their phones in the air <laughs> yeah. videotaping the whole thing. Yeah. And it's such an interesting aspect of us as humans, isn't it? You know, we, we want that peace for later, but that peace for later is just as good as having it now, but somehow also better than just buying that video or seeing it later from somebody else on the internet. It is a really interesting thing. And I think when it comes to being a parent, it's the same way. I, when, I don't ever want my child to look at me as being that person behind the camera rather than like, I don't want them to ever notice the camera, if that makes sense. Now she's way too young for that now, but I sure. wouldn't, wouldn't want her to be conscious of that uh, three years from now. And it's really interesting to think about because of course we didn't have this access to, to cameras when we were kids, you know, when we were kids, um, if someone was taking photos, you knew it, you know, that it was your parents out there have, having those big clunky uh, film cameras or one of the, you know, brand new digital cameras that were like these pixelated messes, you know, it's, uh, it's such an interesting thing. You knew that it was camera time versus not camera time. Whereas now as a kid growing up, you could be getting photographed kind of anytime, all the time. Well, and I think the, obviously, you know, the cell phone and the smartphone obviously kind of, um, enhanced that and drove that into the future very quickly. Um, and then combine that obviously with now social media, um, which is just the ability to obviously just massive share, massive amounts of information at a time. Um, which kind of brings me into my next point, which is just the posting of said pictures on social media. Mm. And I think that there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of, Eh, controversy is the wrong word, maybe. But there's a lot of different differing opinions on this. Um, because you can get anybody from, uh, you know, lots of people will be like, well, this is how I share, you know, keep uh, it. What's what I'm looking for here, you know, keep on, uh, on track with my friends, um, or family members, you know, who we can't visit, especially now, obviously, when we're kind of shelter in place, kind of, uh, you know, that's the way that we we share information with each other. But then there's also the other side, which is kind of the privacy, um, kind of even consent part of it, which I know sounds kind of bizarre to say, but you know, these are children. I mean, again, my daughter, almost two, yours, not even six months, you know, they have no say um, in what their, uh, you know, in where their picture is being put. Um, and so how much of that is uh, appropriate uh, or not. Um, and again, sitting here, not having the answer at all, but, uh, Chris, I know that you and I both are very, um, 
not anti-social media, but we just don't have social media uh, ourselves personally. Um, I know, Chris, you haven't had yours for some time. Um, I got rid of mine kind of middle of the pandemic when I started realizing what I was using it for, which was nothing productive. Um, and so I currently have no social media. So I realized for you and I specifically, this might be a different conversation because we don't post our kid on Facebook because we don't have it. Um, but um, what do you make of or what are your thoughts in general just on the idea of, you know, people putting their kids on social media um, and and what not not necessarily what effect that might have, but maybe the purpose behind it or the uh, idea of it in general? Yeah, boy, it's a really good question. I think um, I think I see it a couple of ways. I mean, <clears throat> I respect everybody's individual you know, choice to do that. And Absolutely. something that's right for someone else is not necessarily right for me. I will say that it's not right for me. Um, I'm not a fan of it. And I'll say why I'm not a fan of it. Again, respecting that other people might uh, not feel the same way and, and they should have total right to do as they please. Um, for me, I think there's a few elements of it. I mean, one, um, when it comes to photo posting in particular, whether it's Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, whatever it is, um, I became very, very conscious of sort of the idea that we would all look at likes under our photos as kind of like a point system. And I don't, I think it would be very difficult. I mean, if somebody out there is listening and thinks differently, please write into me. But I think that every single one of us as humans is guilty of posting a photo and being like, yeah, sweet, it got X number of likes. And really what we're doing is, you know, we're just grading ourselves and we're grading our photos. And I would never, I mean, being a parent and seeing your child and bringing a child into the, this world is so much greater and different and more and emotionally beyond the value that can be provided from X number of likes. And I would never for me want to tie up my love and appreciation of how awesome she is and how cute I think she is with a certain number of likes that I'm getting. And I would never want to be like, oh, such and such didn't like my photo or I wish this one would have got more and looking at my child as a way to get more. Um, and so that that bothers me. I think that very few people, though, are doing it with any kind of malicious intent. I think every single person, I shouldn't say that, that's probably an exaggeration, but the vast majority of people who post photos of their kids um, on social media are really just doing it to be like, wow, I think my kid is really cute. Um, you know, all my family and friends who are, you know, connected to me by social media, I want you to see how, you know, cute these photos are. And I don't think anybody really has any malicious intent going into it. Um, but I think subconsciously, we are, it's very difficult to untie that uh, love of likes and that love of the quantified number of likes or favorites or whatever we have um, on a photo. And I, I, I really don't quite like that aspect of it. I mean, I don't want to dive too much into the more conceptual aspects, but we also have to think about how perpetual social media is and that in many ways, the photos you post now could still be accessible in some form, somewhere, in some cloud or database 20 years from now, 30 years from now. And does your 20-year-old daughter want their baby photos online? And where do you draw that line? You know, is it okay to post photos of them when they're 13? No, no, it's not. And so why is it okay to post them at when they're a baby? So it's a very difficult um, situation. And, and I understand it's conceptually not that different from emailing some photos to your family and friends, which is something that we've been doing for the last 30 years um, since email was invented, basically. But that, those are kind of the reasons why it's not why it's not right for me so much. Very well said, sir. Um, and I think it actually brings up a kind of additional layer of this, which I hadn't necessarily thought about talking about today until you said it, which is it also, and this is something I've noticed now being a dad, and Chris, I'm curious your thoughts on this too, which is before I had a kid, I mean, you never see a bad photo of a kid right? It's not, you don't see a photo of the temper tantrum or of mm, the sleepless yeah. night or yeah. of the, uh, not that they're negative, but maybe the more taxing I, uh, aspects of having a child, right? And typically if you are posting a temper tantrum, it's kind of the funny aspect of it, you know, not the actual frustrating, my kid won't behave themselves or my kid is actually very upset about something. Um, 
And, and so I, I also find that that also maybe perpetuates the incorrect or maybe incomplete image or idea of parenting, right? It's not mm-hmm. the whole story. And so it can also create a completely different narrative potentially um, of, of what it means to be a parent, which could also potentially adversely affect somebody who's looking at that, right? And so, you know, until you become a parent, you don't necessarily understand all of those because all you've seen before are like, oh, the cute picture of my daughter, you know, running in the flowers or whatever, right? And that's that's not all that parenting is. Um, right. And so, Chris, I'm curious. Um, now, again, I realize I'm asking this with you not necessarily having social media, um, but is is that something that you have noticed, appreciated? Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, it, it is fair. I mean, I think one of the things that we're all acutely aware of as as new dads <clears throat> is that, you know, we like we were in the grocery store the other day and uh, we brought our, our daughter. Um, you know, we didn't really have a choice and it was the three of us. And she started to cry in the store. And it just feels like you're on fire, like your shirt's on fire and you need to run out of the store. And, you know, because you just we all take it as parents a little bit on ourselves. You know, we, we get embarrassed. And so in the same way that when you share all of your vacation photos, you're not going to show the photo of you standing in a hot, humid lineup to get somewhere you're only going to show the photo from the top of the mountain or, or wherever. I think it's very human nature of us to just show the photos of, you know, the great parts of our vacation as parents, so to speak, and not make it seem like it is uh, difficult. And I think what it can do is it takes, it, it makes people feel like temper tantrums or the negative parts of their parenting maybe aren't normal um, because they don't see any other parents doing it. You know, this view that they that has been posted on social media is is how great everything's going, not not the bad parts. And if you're not aware of the bad parts, then it doesn't normalize it. But that's just part of being a parent. There's going to be bad moments. And so just uh, I think you've hit the nail on the head. You know, it's human nature of us to show only the only the good sides of it, I think. And I and I I don't sit here um, to say that because we only post the good things. I it's it's important to spread positivity, of course. So I'm certainly not here to be like, no, I want to see only pictures of your kid crying. Yeah, that is what I want your Instagram like, to be. People aren't going right. to post that, right? I mean, right. it's it's yeah, and that nature. makes sense. Like that's not that's not something that I'm sitting here being like, oh, you need to even it out. So for every good photo, you post a bad one. Um, <laughs> I, I'm nothing nothing like that, but it does. It, it does paint an incomplete picture um, mm. a, as well, which I think is just important to note. And like you mentioned, kind of that, uh, you know, crying in the store or the uh, tantrum in public, um, that is something that I became acutely aware of after I became a father. Um, and for listeners who know me well, just really quickly before we uh, close out the segment here, um, I am a very avid Disney traveler. Um, an attendee, my wife and I go all the time. And so there are obviously a lot of crying kids at Disney. And that was something that I remember as a, uh, I was one of those millennials without kids that people get angry at for going. Um, and then after I became a dad and having my kid at Disney with me, I was definitely like, oh, so this is why they cry all the time. And like, <laughs> just like such an appreciation for the like crying kid as, you know, like Mickey Mouse is walking towards them Um, or just, you know, hey, I can walk around Disney World for 12 hours in a day very easily. You know, like my 18 month old cannot. She gets tired. And so she needs a nap, you know, and those say like so there's totally reasons why those things happen, which, again, if you don't have the whole picture, you don't necessarily know. Um, But that's kind of the wonderful uh, wacky world of parenting and learning these things as they as they go. But um, I'm sure much more could be said on this topic, uh, but we'll close it right there for now. Um, I'm sure we'll come back to it at some point. But this is the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. Cast. That's Chris. I'm Christian. Um, please contact us at the show, dadjokeloadingpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts, questions, concerns, disagreements, different ways of doing things. Um, again, we're just two dads kind of, you know, two dads cutting it up. Um, just trying to get through this thing called life. But we'll take a quick break, um, and we'll be right back uh, with another segment and a couple of recurring segments here. We'll be right back.
Hey, Michael Spicer here. I'm a sound designer and a composer. Are you a D&D podcaster? Well, we got swords! Ooh, ouch. Spells. And oh boy, the creatures. <laughs> Hi, I'm Steve, and I'm a goblin. Need your voice altered? Just tell me what you want to sound, sound like. like! Robot? Robot? Tiny? Tiny? Demon? Demon? If you need sounds or music for your project, go to michaelspicermusic.com! Welcome back to Dad Joke Loading Podcast. He's Christian, I'm Chris, and we're going to chat with you a little bit more about fatherhood. So Christian, diving right into it, we're going to start with a recurring segment that you've heard before. This is Rapid Fire. And in particular, this is Rapid Fire Summertime Edition. Mm. In honor of us recording our first evening podcast with it still being slight glimmer of dusky daylight outside, um, I am so excited for the springtime in the air. Should we go out and put our hands on our hips and stare at our green lawns while we do this? (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's right. I got some sunflower seeds if you want. Open a couple of brewskis from the the fridge in the garage. God. So I'm going to uh, I'm going to give you a series of questions, Christian, and they're going to be essentially A or B, and you just have to tell me apropos of nothing which you choose, and it can be for any reason. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. All right. So we're going to start things off. Favorite summer fruit: watermelon or strawberry? Oof. Uh, strawberry. If I have to go Excellent. rapidly, strawberry. I think just more strawberry flavored things taste better. Hmm. Interesting. I'm a watermelon guy. All right. Classy grilled foods. Are you a grilled steak or a grilled salmon on the barbecue kind of guy? Steak, medium rare. If it's still mooing, I'm okay with it. All right. Yeah, me too. Okay. With you 100%. All right. So now going, taking it down a notch onto the slightly less classy grilled foods, but the ones that we truly love. Would you say you love a good burger or pulled pork better? Burger. Beauty. Me too. Hot tub or swimming pool? Swimming pool? Swimming pool. Swimming pool. Okay, give me a hot tub any day. This one's going to have a little bit of a Canadian bent to you. You can do the translations for our American listeners. Favorite long weekend? Victoria Day, Canada Day, Civic Holiday, Labor Day. So the translation for our American friends is that in Canada... We just have a bunch more stat holidays than you, um, <laughs> and we're okay with it, and we don't even really need a reason why. We just do. Um, but my answer is, oh, see there's now no, I, There's no civic holiday in the States, right? Is correct. Right? Correct. Okay, there's so no that's the holidays. first weekend in August, so there's no long weekend there, but there, Memorial Day is a long weekend. Am, am I right there? Uh, you are correct. Yes. And Memorial that Day is, is like May? Is that, that is end of June? May. Yep. That's end, end of May. May. Mm-hmm. Okay. So basically it's Memorial Day, Independence Day, Labor Day. No, labor, is there a Labor yeah, Day? Yeah, there's a Labor States? Day. Yep. Okay. Okay. Yep. So those three basically in yeah. the States. Um, so here, here's the problem is uh, I have a really fond memory of each of those. Mm-hmm. So I can't, I don't know that I can, if I had to pick one, I'm going to pick Labor Day uh, and I'll explain why, but. My daughter was born Memorial Day weekend. Um, The Canada long weekend is typically the opening weekend of the CFL. I was married on the civic holiday long weekend. (laughs) And Labor Day classic Hamilton Tiger Cats, Toronto Argonauts is just a staple. I've been going for literally my entire life, even though in the States, even like I'll get season tickets for the year and I'll only go to that game. <laughs> um, and then Labor Day also at the cottage is where all of my cousins get together. And it's like the one time that our entire kind of uh, family is together. Um, so we make that a cottage weekend for all of the cousins. Um, okay, so- well, don't don't answer quite yet because my next question Uh-oh. Is CFL opening weekend or CFL Labor Day Classic? Labor Day Classic. Labor Day Classic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Beauty. So Argos suck. (laughs) All right. Keeping it in sports. So in the NHL, do you prefer the draft or the start of free agency? I'm going to go free agency. Yeah, me too. Because it's Canada Day, so right. it adds this like extra spice. To right, Canada and Day. also I feel like the NHL draft 
So the NHL, I think also a little bit like baseball, you're drafting these kids and they're going into your minor league system. So you're not going to see them on the big club for the most part for several years. Obviously the McDavid's, the Crosby's are going to be a little bit different, but you don't typically see a ton of rookies. So the draft is you have to draft is almost like a deep dive, you know, into your NHL team as opposed to NFL, NBA, those, a lot of those players are going to be in the league right away. So you're going to see that instant gratification. Um, so I'm going to go free agency for hockey. Good one. I like that. Well, keeping in the keeping keeping in the hockey theme, since uh, summertime hockey in Canada is something we all, we all have to get used to. Street hockey with rollerblades or no rollerblades? No rollerblades. Yeah, me too. The classic. Uh, pogs or marbles? Pogs. <laughs> uh, water gun fight or laser tag? Well, if we're going summer, I think I'm going to have to go water gun, just the cooling aspect of it. So I'm going to go outdoors, water gun fights. Super Soaker 2000 had one as a kid. Cornhole or lawn darts? Lawn darts. Interesting. I would have thought that the moment you cross the border on your your passport, they stamp like U.S. permanent resident professional cornhole player. Yeah, but man, I bleed red, white, and maple syrup. So (laughs) I'm still Canadian on the inside. So I don't honestly... I don't understand the fascination with cornhole in this country. It is so bizarre. I mean, to each their own. It like it is very fun, but it is like a it is a sport here. It is <laughs> it's, like if it's you on go the on, Ocho. Right? I, was just, I was just about to say that. I was like, you can literally go on in like midnight on the Ocho is professional ACL cornhole championships. <laughs> wow, wow. Um, okay, so. Um, you know, you're you're out there playing cornhole. Cornhole. You got a beer in your hand. You got a burger in the next. Uh, you wearing a Hawaiian shirt or a singlet? Those are your only two options. Oh, I have to pick one. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. Then I, I. So I'm gonna have to go singlet. And the reason is is because as soon as you said Hawaiian shirt, the only thing I can now picture is Charlie Sheen and Two and a Half Men, and <laughs> I can't be that. So I'm gonna go singlet. I've known you to wear a singlet, you know, while we lived together in the summer. I've known you to rock a good singlet. But I was probably typically asleep on the couch in that bay window, right? Watching uh, watching daytime baseball. With the sun streaming in. I mean, I was like a cat. Yeah, it's it's the best benzodiazepine you can buy. Um, All right. Driving range or mini putt? Driving range. Yeah. The solitude of the driving range. And I love me some mini golf i really do i'm too competitive at it um, but there's just something about being out on the driving range by yourself um that it's just uh yeah it's unmatched peaceful um i've got a i've got a tough one for you here okay you know alluding to something that you mentioned earlier in this show a week at the cottage or a week in disney world oh yeah that's right my wife's going to kill me for this one, but I'm going to go weak at the cottage. Ooh, shots fired. Yeah, I won't tell her. Don't worry. I think uh... she doesn't listen anyway. It's OK. <laughs> I'm going to go weak the cottage for two reasons, one of which is uh, I don't trust the state of Florida right now. Sorry, Answer. just don't. And the, a week at the cottage would mean that I was allowed to come back into Canada and visit my family, mm, which I currently have not been able nice. to do for the past 14 months. So I'm going to go week at the cottage because I actually haven't been there in like two years. Nice. Nice. So. Good answer. Yeah. I, I'd go week at the cottage. I think if you ask me in the winter time, so you get like a cozy week in the winter or uh, a week at Disney world in the winter, I'd take Disney world, but summertime, summertime, right. Going cottage every time. Exactly. All right. Three more questions on the spirit of American Canada, Celsius or Fahrenheit Celsius. If you're Fahrenheit, you're just fooling yourself. <laughs> Dairy Queen, Baskin Robbins, or none of the above? Ooh, uh, I'm actually going to have to go Dairy Queen on this one. Um, Yeah, me too. Yeah, Dairy Queen. I like a good blizzard. All right, last one. I think you'll like it. The ice cream truck jingle when you hear it rounding the corner in your neighborhood or that first sound of ballpark organ music in the spring? Oh, you're killing me, Smalls. Um, (laughs) Just because of how much I love the beautiful game of baseball, um, I'm going to go with the ballpark organ music. 
Mm, that's a good answer. That's a very good answer. Now, see, I'm going to go ice cream truck uh, jingle simply because of the unpredictability of it. Like you can be minding your own damn business raking in the backyard. I'm a grown man, but if I hear it, I'm sprinting out to the front <laughs> raking <laughs> hand. Like, where, is it? where did it come from? Somebody follow it for the love of God. <laughs> Well, this has been another edition of Rapid Fire, uh, summertime edition. Thanks for playing, Christian. Thanks for having me. I had a lot of fun today. <laughs> we'll dive right into our next episode. We'll be talking a little bit more about fatherhood. So uh, pretty recently, Christian, my uh, I think I mentioned this in a previous episode, my grandfather turned 94. Um, he's my my only grandfather remaining. Um, and uh, there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of things that, um, in which my my mom is like my grandfather, and in turn, how I am like my mom, and how I am like my grandfather. Um, and it kind of got me thinking down this road of how much of your fathering, your fatherhood style, who you are as a person, frankly, how much of that is sort of dyed in the wool, how much of that is part of who you are intrinsically. I I'm going to say not just the nature part of the nature and nurture combination, because of course, you know, parenting techniques are passed on subconsciously. You know, your grandparent of uh, you know, parented your parent in a certain way, who parented you in a certain way. And so some of it, of course, in, in the DNA and some of it in the way that um, uh, parenting kind of follows, flows down in a generation. But you find yourself being somewhat like your grandparents without you necessarily noticing it. So I'm going to ask you, Christian, I, I know a little bit about uh, your family, but I don't know terribly too much about your grandparents. So um, let me start off by saying, did you did you know either of your grandfathers? Did you have that opportunity? Um, so I never met my paternal grandfather. Um, he actually passed away when my dad was 18. Oh, so, dear. I'm so um, sorry Yes. So, um, yeah, so neither uh, my brother or I or my mom obviously knew, uh, knew him. Um, but we did, um, we did learn a lot about him in time, um, because his wife, my grandmother, um, actually lived till 102. Uh, oh, and my so, gracious. uh, Holy we man. were able to spend lots of time with her. Um, wow. so most of my life, uh, was spent with her. Um, and so we were able to learn about him in that way. Never knew him personally, um, only in photo form. And actually he passed away in the sixties. So, I mean, no, uh, no color photo of him exists, um, but um, wow. much wow. of his legacy lives on not only in my dad, um, but in my brother and I. Um, and my maternal grandfather, my mother's father, um, passed away when I was eight. So I was only able to get to know him very limitedly. And I will admit, even for most of my life, he was in not the greatest of health. So I don't think I, I really knew much of him in his prime. Right. However, my mom never misses an opportunity to tell um, to tell stories about him. So, again, mm. uh, legacy lives on for sure, um, just in a in a in, in a different way. So it'd be fair to say then that both of your parents were fond of their fathers and, and got along well with them, had a strong relationship. It, it would be fair to say. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, it's funny. Uh, my my mom is. um I say is, I say was, but is uh, a bit of a wild child. And um, her father was the music teacher at her high school. And uh, my grandfather uh, liked to rule with a bit of an iron fist. And my mom being quite the rebellious type, um, I think they clashed a lot in my mom's youth, um, which then just led for a lot of hilarious stories as they got older. Um, and so, but yes, I think the relationship overall was was quite good. That's really interesting. You know, it's kind of got me thinking a little bit, something that I hadn't, you know, prepared for. But just as you say it now, I find it such an interesting idea. Um, you know, this idea that obviously it was a different world when our grandparents were parents. Things were done differently, as I'm sure they will be done in change differently when our grandchildren are raising their kids. Um, but it, it gets me thinking a little bit about how, you know, parenting, do, do parenting techniques 
do they engender rebellion, which then causes uh, people to be very much unlike their parents? Or as much as people rebel against it at, when they're young, do you feel that people then revert to those parenting tactics? And so I ask you, do you feel, you know, you asked, you, you mentioned that your mom was somewhat rebellious against uh, her dad ruling with an iron fist. Do you think that your mom is more like her father than she knows? Or do you think the opposite, that her rebelling, rebelling against uh, that kind of rule with an iron fist made her kind of swing in the opposite direction? Do you feel there's a similarity there or not? Hmm. That's actually a really good question that I don't know that I've honestly considered. I, I, I definitely would say of my two parents, and uh, dad, don't hate me for saying this, uh, but we were definitely more scared of my mom. Hmm. growing up than we were my dad my mom uh, uh my mom my brother and i had a healthy fear of my mother i think growing <laughs> up um and um but that being said i think as i got older now i, I don't think necessarily it, it certainly did not cause my brother and i to rebel although my parents might disagree i guess i don't i don't know that for sure but um i think that there was an intrinsic idea that there was a healthy level of fear and respect towards your parents. And whether she got this from her dad or not, I guess I don't know. Maybe I'll ask her and I'll let you know next episode. Um, but my mom would always say more so in jest as we were growing up, she would always be like, I'm not here to be your friend. I'm here to be your mother. <laughs> right. And so that was right. often doing the unpopular thing. Um, and so I think that that is definitely something she got from her parents, which was, yeah. you know, obviously a little bit different because, you know, my my brother and I born in the 80s, obviously my parents born decades before that. But um, so obviously, you know, like you mentioned, the time definitely kind of dictates a little bit of that. Um, but yeah, I think the idea that um, raising the best possible human being was their first goal, um, you know. And being liked was kind of a bonus on the other end. Right. You know, it's very, it's very interesting um, that, that you say that I, um, so I didn't, I didn't grow up every single day in the same house as my dad, um, my, my biological dad. I uh, grew up with uh, my stepdad and, and my mom, but I saw my dad, uh, my, my biological dad a lot. And my mom always says how similar I am to him. And I see it. I, I see exactly how I'm like him a lot. And I, I pick up these things that you would think not being with him in the house every day, I would pick up a lot of these things. And he was just like his father before him. I mean, they were carbon copies in look, in style, in attitude, very fun-loving, always uh, kind of building, tinkering, playing. They both got PhDs and totally separate things, both love cars and just kind of passed that on to me. Whereas I look at my stepdad, very similar to my dad, fun-loving, uh, great dad, awesome human being, but he didn't have as great a relationship at, with his father. And I would say that I find it very interesting to look at my two dads and see one who was so similar to his father and another one who was so dissimilar. And on the one you might look, I might look at my dad and his dad before him and say, God, fatherhood is just genetic, isn't it? I mean, it just is amazing how- No matter what these, we do, yeah. Yeah, we end up like them. But then I look at someone like my stepdad who was able to change him, himself away from that narrative for the better and become an incredible dad. And it really, um, you know, I know you hear a lot of young men when they become fathers for the first time say, can I do this? You know, I don't, I don't want to be like my dad before him. I, I you know, want to be different. And I think it is possible, but you might just have to work a little bit harder at it. But what I would encourage people to do is not to forget, you know, even though parenthood is different now, even though fatherhood is different now than it was a hundred years ago, look at the different things that they had to deal with. Um, so Christian, one of the things about my grandfather turning 94 that's got me thinking a, a little bit um, about is how he had to make a decision when he was about the age that I am now, about 30 years old, to leave Europe, to leave the old world. He, he was in a war-torn country. Um, their house was bombed out and he had to say, where do I go from here? And he decided to move across an ocean to a new country with his children at the time and completely start from scratch and give everything up. And those aren't necessarily the kind of, kind of decisions that you and I today have to face. And so I wonder sometimes, is it possible to tease apart 
those good parenting aspects and be like our grandparents in seeing, you know, success being a bottom line, that nobody hands anything to you in life, that you have to be tough, that parents are there for parenting, but also have that other side that doesn't just rule with an iron fist, that can be a loving parent. Um, and it's something that I think all of us as um, parents, as fathers, try to tease apart, and it can be very difficult. So I ask you, Christian, do you ever look back on the lives of your grandparents, and are there any lessons from them, you know, from the time before us um, that you try to carry with you um, from that previous generation? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think if there's one thing that I remember, and it, just hearing stories so, I mean, stories, again, mostly about my grandparents. I only really knew my nanny, my father's mother, my grandmother, um, with any, because uh, she passed away when I was in university. Um, but if, if there's one thing that I feel like I can, if I look back at my grandparents or, or recall them and think of, you know, what's one thing that I would take away from that um, is is that there is no substitute for a good moral compass and there is no substitute for a a good character. Hmm. And so dress it up however you want, but the substance of a person, the, you know, ethical and moral stances that you take the uh, you know, when those types of decisions that you, that you make in the type of person that you attempt to be um, is is more important than just about anything that you will accomplish. Um, mm -hmm. My grandmother specifically, she um, only had a grade eight education, lived till 102, but she only had a grade eight education because um, she had to go take a job in the factories. Um, this was uh, during World War One, so it goes back that far, and but raised two wonderful boys, uh, one of whom was my dad, is my dad. And, um, and, you know, spent her life dedicated to, to that. And the, the person that she was, um, is, is the, and the, and that type of thing is the person that I, that I remember. Um, and so, I think that that's something that I definitely take away from from my grandparents is just that. And that's something that I try to to keep with me as well. Um, now, again, it sounds like super profound, which those of you who know me realize I'm not that profound always. Uh, but um, it's certainly something that I, you know, I, I try to to keep in to, to keep in mind is, is is just the the person that you are and how you treat other people um, is is far more part important than most other things that you will achieve. Hmm. That is very well said, very eloquently said. I think uh, what we should do, Christian, is for Grand National Grandparents Day, which I understand comes up in September. I think we should do a whole episode just dedicated to stories of our uh, of our grandparents. I love that but idea. I but I think for now, I think you've uh, you've sent us out on a high note. So um, we're going to take a little uh, break here on the Dad Joke Loading Podcast, and we'll be back in a minute. Hi, I'm sound designer and composer Michael Spicer, and I want to help you with the audio in your podcast. Do you need theme music or background music in a specific genre? We've got 8-Bit. Orchestral. Or just chill. Visit michaelspicermusic.com and contact me. All my social media stuff's there too, so you know, whatever you want. Goodbye. And welcome back to the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. I'm Christian, he's Chris, and we're going to close out the show today uh, with a recurring segment we actually haven't done in a few weeks, um, but this is Origin Story. And so to briefly uh, bring you back to the uh, reasons behind Origin Story, this is typically a trip down memory lane for Chris and I when we talk about 
um, you know, a, a story that uh, kind of shaped our friendship or was a big uh, kind of part or cornerstone of our uh, decade plus together. And uh, so, uh, Chris, the the Blue Jays are coming into Boston this week. And um, as the listeners may know, our relationship almost it seems to at least in its 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 core centers around baseball in a lot of ways um just in our uh nerd nerdum about it and uh and and that type of thing but when we graduated from veterinary school we uh decided to plan a road trip together with a couple of our friends and most of our classes decided i think they went to the dominican republic or something like that we went to uh a much cooler place, uh, which I believe, but uh, we decided to do um, a road trip um, to see three different ballparks. It would have been uh, Yankee Stadium and then Fenway Park and then back to New York to uh, what is now City Field. And so we did that uh, kind of nine games almost in nine days, it seemed, and, uh, you know, got hotel rooms in each city. Anyway, long story short is that the Blue Jays, we're going to be in Boston for those three games. So we said, perfect. We can come see the Jays in Boston and it'll be great. We get to see Fenway Park. And so, Chris, I wanted to actually talk about the story of our then budding friendship with the pilots. Mm, yeah. And so Good guys. Good this guys. Yeah, they're great. Um, and so this would have been the just before the second game of the three game series. And so we had done some, you know, touring around Boston. We went to the cheers bar and, you know, we went down into the Harbor and, you know, uh, got clam chowder and, uh, you know, and that type of thing. And so, um, we were in this bar and for those people who know Fenway park, basically the blocks around the entire ballpark are, it's kind of like, you know, street festival, right? There's restaurants and that type of thing. And so, we were in this particular kind of divey bar, actually, um, across from Fenway Park. And I remember, uh, Chris, why I remember this, but there was like a Coors Light promotion there. Was it Was it Coors Light? I think so. Yeah, it was Coors Light. It was Coors Light. And one of the things that just stands out in my mind, because, you know, we've mentioned our traveling, our, our baseball road trips before, and we were often seeing, you know, we weren't seeing our favorite teams. We weren't seeing the Jays. We weren't seeing Cleveland. You know, it would have been Pittsburgh against whoever, I actually don't remember who they were playing that night, um, you know, or the the Nationals against uh, the Orioles or something like that. Whereas this was one of our rare opportunities to go as traveling fans because the Jays were there um, for an entire series against Boston. So we got to see the entire series at Fenway. And one of the things that stands out in my mind as a traveling fan is just how magnetic your eyes are for other people wearing the road gear as well. You know, like spotting yeah, out a Jays fan from 500 yards away at the, you know, opposite upper deck. Or even like fan getting one, on the one. train. Like, you know, we're getting on the subway to go to there, you know, just happen to see someone at the, you know, at the stop, clearly also trying to figure out a subway map like you are because they're not from yeah. Boston. Um, but anyway, speaking of picking out fans, there we are in this bar and, you know, there's the Coors Light promotion on uh, and they have the, you know, like the Coors Light girls who are giving away drinks and promotional items and that type of thing. And there are these other, you know, four guys wearing uh, Blue Jays gear. And so, again, can't really uh, miss us. You know, we're probably the only eight Blue Jays fans in this particular establishment. So naturally, we strike up a conversation. And we find out that they are on a kind of graduation trip of their own. And we realize that they are actually have graduated and have become pilots. So there's the four of us. And we're like in awe of these guys because we're like, wait a minute, you guys get to be pilots like you fly planes like you literally have the title of captain like this is incredible. And they're saying the same thing to us. You know what? You guys are becoming doctors like that's amazing. And so we naturally strike up a conversation. Um, turns out now, uh, Chris, correct me if I'm wrong. I think they went to Sioux College, right? So that's in northern Ontario, I believe. That's yeah. You got me there. I know that they all went to the same school. I know that that was a big part of it, and they were all in the same class together, just like um, three out of the four of us were. Um, I, I think it was Sioux College, but don't quote me on that. And, and so, uh, so naturally, you know, we have a a, a great time, you know, and, and that type of thing, and uh, you know, we say, oh, you know, like enjoy the game and that type of thing. And so, you know, we go to our, uh, 
we go to our seats. Now, was this the game that Ryan had the sign for the like came for the chowder, stayed for the Jays? Yes, it was. It was this it game, was. right? So, okay, yes, so they yes. saw our sign. So, because they saw it, we had it. Ryan <laughs> had it with him before the game because um, we were trying to get on Sportsnet. Um, and uh, and so we, um, you know, we, we go to our seats and whatever. And then about midway through that game, they just show up behind us with beer with beers for us. and so they clearly had seen the sign so i mean because i mean when you have a sign it's pretty hard to miss but yeah and they just came up to us and they just they had just bought us beer um which was so so nice of them and so um we um obviously uh indulge them of course um because no one's going to turn down free beer and so um and then I believe it was it was either at that time or shortly thereafter. We definitely exchanged personal information, uh, and we made plans to go out after the next game, which would have been the third game, um, the third game of the series. And, and and the one thing I just remember about that is just it was kind of I don't know if it's maybe quintessential just road fans sticking up for each other or just like maybe it's quintessential Canadian or just maybe a little bit of mix of both, but just them just showing up with the beer. Yeah. I mean, it just, it felt like the most classic Canadian thing that they could have done. You know, they, they brought us four tall ones and then said, let's go to the bar tomorrow. And so we did. And it was the most, uh, it was one of the best nights of that entire trip. I think really of any trip that we've, that we've had um, any of our baseball trips, one of the best nights we've had. And I still remember being a little rough and a little scratchy in my brain when we had to go to city field the next day. Cause uh, Ooh, I think dehydration was setting in at that point. Yeah, those pilots know how to drink. That's for sure. Um, but Chris, I'm just curious then just kind of to close off this story real quick, which is, um, I feel like, and maybe this is just my experience in, in Boston, but I feel like of all the parks that we went to, um, and again, we were there kind of as visiting fans, right? So it's not like mm -hmm. we're just like, Hey, we're just guys catching baseball. Like we were the enemy. Yes. Um, but I feel like everywhere that we sat in Fenway park. Now, granted, there's obviously that little bit of banter, you know, as you know, with between the the home and the road team. But I feel like the people we, at least the people we sat with or, or around us, were super welcoming. Oh man, absolutely. I feel like I remember I them so being impressed. like, "Oh, you're new to Boston, or you're visiting Boston. Oh, you gotta go here." Yeah. Or like, yeah. even just within the stadium, they were like, "Oh no, you want to go get the food from Section One Eighteen, or like whatever." Yeah. They were very um, always saying, "Hope you have a good time," and and everything. Yeah. And this was after in the same trip. I think we mentioned on this podcast before. We saw the Yankees and Mets uh, a whole series together, and we saw two was at least two people get kicked out with blood streaming down their face from a physical altercation. Well, we so saw people get arrested in center yeah, field. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So um, here we are visiting fans in Fenway. And uh, yeah, I was, I was expecting the worst. I mean, I was expecting, you know, something to escalate from banter uh, and it absolutely didn't. It was just people, salt of the earth, uh, people being really kind to us and welcoming us. So uh, big shout out to Boston. Well, I was say, and, and I guess, you know, the Boston sports fan definitely has a bad rap, really, because you think, you know, the, the Bruins, yeah, a passionate, uh, you know, the, the, the Patriots, obviously the, the hated New England Patriots, uh, you know, the Celtics. I mean, there's a lot of, they, I mean, they have storied franchises that a lot of people just kind of hate just intuitively because you know, because Boston, but, uh, um, but yeah, no, I, I remember just all the fans we were sitting around with were like genuinely very like curious about us and nice to us. And, uh, and, and, you know, even just kind of offering up their opinions to be like, Oh yeah, check this out and this and that and the other thing. And, and, and so and I do remember that. There is nothing like Fenway. Oh, that is a beautiful ballpark, isn't it? It is. It was fantastic. I remember us trying to get on the green monster as well. Uh, like we just wanted to go yes. up before the game and they were just like, yeah, no, you can't do that. We uh, did. We did get one photo, like just from the corner. Yeah, Remember, we were like we, in the corner like, right before. Across, like, yeah. like, and I'm pretty <laughs> yeah. sure like the security guard is in the background, like frowning at us. Yeah, like, just, like, like, hurry it up, like, hurry yeah. up. Yeah, he's yeah. like, guys, just hurry it up. Because I remember the tickets, like we were looking at getting tickets to get on the monster um, because I remember in that trip, we always picked one game of the series that we would like splurge on tickets. Right. And so we're like, Oh, we got to sit on the monster. 
we sat like fifth row at third base and they were like less than half the price to get on the monster. So they clearly know mm-hmm. how to market mm-hmm. the monster because it was like over 300 <laughs> bucks a ticket just to get on the monster. But uh, but anyway, uh, no, I remember those guys I'm still friends with them to this day. Uh, we keep in we keep in touch yeah. um, with, uh, with with all of them. So they are uh, they are wonderful guys. So if, if you're listening, we appreciate you um, and especially Absolutely. the free beer. So and I hope we get a chance to travel with them again in the near future. Absolutely. Really Absolutely. Yeah. And to another ballpark, hopefully, because that'll mean that we're uh, catching some baseball. But uh, but that'll do it for another episode here of the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. Um, before we sign off today, um, don't forget to get, get in touch with the show, dadjokeloadingpodcast at gmail.com. You can also hit us up on Twitter, at Loading Dad, and Dad Joke Loading Podcast on Instagram. Um, we'd like to thank uh, producer Ryan, again, for just uh, keeping us on track here and making us sound as good as he can. He's got a tough job. We make it hard on him. Uh, Michael Spicer, uh, Michael Spicer Music, for all of the uh, the intro theme and all the stingers that you hear for all of our sound effects. Michelle Murthy, the vet cartoonist, for all of the imaging that you see related to the show. And last but certainly not least, our wives and daughters, um, and as Chris referenced in the beginning of the show, who frankly allow us to do this. Um, and so we thank them. We love them. Uh, and we wouldn't be who we are without them. Uh, but Chris, always a pleasure to chat with you each week, my friend. Uh, great conversation today. Um, but I'm going to close us out here just really quickly with one joke, if I may. Um, because I actually <laughs> please, met with my I actually met with my financial uh, advisor uh, recently. Um, and he actually recommended that I invest heavily in pasta. And pasta. I looked at him and I was just like, what? why would I do that? And he said, well, it's worth every penny. <laughs> he has been sitting on that one. Yeah. I bet he's got that on the back of a business card, you know, ready to go. Just penny, penny. Even though the penny doesn't exist in Canada anymore. So whatever. That is just a joke for our American friends. Anyway, uh, on that note, we'll get you out of here. Thanks for listening again, guys. We'll see you next week. This has been the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. Bye.